All right, guys. I need we need to come together. I know that that uh, the rocket landing was not what we planned. No. Uh, everything has been has been rough. We've been trudging through what we thought was dangerous forests and swamps and sea, and then we found out we are still inside the bunker. I'm not so, entirely convinced that we're not wearing uh, VR goggles right now. I can touch my face. I'm not wearing any goggles. But but what if you're wearing every, VR gloves? Then I don't know. But we all need to come together. Things have been out here. We found a bunch of, of uh, red-shirted crewmen, and they've all been killed by the by the forces around us. Yeah. But... Not a single survivor. I'm just going to tell you, we can make it through this. I'm fairly certain they were robots. Nature can be lethal, but it doesn't hold a candle to man. Now, you've seen how bad things can get and how quickly they can get that way. This well... So familiar. They can get a whole lot worse. So we're not gonna fight anymore. We're gonna pull together and find a way out of here. First, we're going to seal out this... Uh, ben, no! Uh, Where'd he go? He clearly just jumped backwards dramatically into a bush. Um, Did, is that all? I'm gonna go peek in the bush... Yeah, you know, it looks like it's pretty close. You guys are so dramatic. Theme song. We might need to tell the listener that. (laughs) He ate me. A motherfucking shark ate me. Welcome back to Draft the Universe, everyone. This is the Nerd Fight Battle Royal. This is the podcast where we pick a topic, pick our favorites, and then fight to the death, or maybe just for bragging rights. I'm Jafar. You you are leaning into that radio voice right now, huh? Yes, sir. (laughs) I'm Chris. And I'm Ben, don't you see? Okay. Kind of weird. We're here today to draft horror tropes. Yes, indeed. We sure are. I hope you guys like horror movies, because I don't. So, (laughs) this was an interesting one for me. I was very much helped by the great uh, resource, TV Tropes. Uh, TV Tropes 100% responsible for my draft picks. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Um, But, yeah, I I tend to not really like horror movies. which I know puts me, like, there is a very small percentage of people who really love TV and film who also don't love the subversive nature of horror movies because they they tend to take the things you love about every other genre and then play with them in, in distinct ways. Well, good horror but, does that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I find jump scares tedious. I find mysteries that you can't solve aggravating um, <laughs> and i find basically uh oh who's the 
who's the guy Yins likes that I accidentally insulted before noticing like he had all of his posters up and everything? Tom Waits? No, not Tom Waits. I love Tom Waits. Uh, who does like horror movies except oh, Rob Zombie. Oh, Rob Zombie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't like Rob Zombie's whole aesthetic. I don't like everything's covered in shit and evil because it just seems gross. Uh, and I understand it is supposed to make me feel gross. It is supposed to discomfort me. But I don't enjoy it, so I don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I kind of enjoy all of those things. And that's fine. I'm not trying to <laughs> yuck any yums. I am just coming from a point of view that yeah. it is not my yum. As a fan, <laughs> as a fan of subversive media in general, I'm kind of drawn to good horror. I'll say that. Good horror and then bad horror. The middle is awful, right? But like, um, <laughs> Middle horror, pointless. Right, just, just <laughs> mediocre horror. I like horror when it's done very well, um, especially when it plays with your expectations um, and when it refuses to show you the thing that you are afraid of the entire movie, for instance. That's always a great, like... Just holding out until the very last second. That's why John Carpenter's Halloween is so good. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was a there was a brief stint where horror, like, just got it. They understood what was going on. Where it was supposed to be more atmospheric, and you weren't supposed to like blow your load in the first act. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and then of course yeah. bad horror, which is campy and lovely. Mm. I will say I do love thrillers, and sometimes the line between thriller and horror can can mesh. You get stuff like Seven. Yeah. Which, you can argue both sides. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But, when you tend in thrillers to get an understandable, you know, there is a there is a killer doing things for a specific reason. There is a method to the madness that you can try to figure out. There are the clues laid throughout. Mm -hmm. I don't like the, he's killing because he's evil. <laughs> like I and I like I appreciate the first couple Saw movies because there was a a the twists made sense. There was an internal logic. Mm -hmm. They weren't like they were gross. They did like <laughs> yes. There was stuff in it that was completely the Rob Zombie. You know, uh, just everything's disgusting. The first movie takes place in just an awful, awful <laughs> bathroom. Um, yeah, but the the external logic of everything was really interesting, and I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. Then that series kind of went off the rails. But <laughs> that yeah. tends to be most horror movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once you get a couple uh, couple sequels deep, you get your uh, Halloween 3's Season of the Witch, <laughs> which is the Halloween movie that does not feature uh, Michael, Michael Myers. Myers and has no witches. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween 3 is so bad it it's so bad, bad that it goes past being fun bad and is just real bad oh shit did you guys know there was a Jeepers Creepers 3 last year I, did I didn't not. know there was a Jeepers Creepers 2 there shouldn't have been <laughs> I didn't know there was a Jeepers Creepers, Jeepers 1 Jeepers Creepers is actually kind of fun oh, um, Okay. Uh, I would say that my love of horror in particular comes from loving horror books first uh, before films I, uh, at a early impressionable age, um, read Interview with a Vampire and became a very huge Anne Rice fan. Mm -hmm. um, here's, here's a big secret, uh, boys and girls. Interview with a Vampire, not her best book. It's true. And in fact, the, second, the book that comes immediately after that pretty much throws half of it out as just being not canon remotely. <laughs> um, uh, the villain of the first book becomes 
the protagonist of the next 20, basically. Um, but Anne Rice has something kind of, like, unique, which is that ghosts and vampires and uh, vitches um, are all kind of um, sexy. Not kind of. They're very sexy. Like, there's this, like, very little distinction between fear and sexual arousal in Anne Rice's um, work. Yeah. And uh, I think that's really what draws me to horror films to this day. Um, it's also what draws me to the moon. Um, <laughs> I got to keep doing some, we got to get some continuity between episodes. So if you don't, if you didn't listen to last episode, I admitted to sexually uh, being um, attracted to the moon. Um, that happened. That happened. That's 100% uh, real. That's not something I made up just for laughs on a podcast. It does have one very nice curve. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I. Well, as, I mean, yeah. I guess it depends on the time of year. It might have two curves. That's true. That's true. I was thinking full moon. But Pre- yeah, crescent, crescent oh, moons. Yeah, have, inner and outer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For a second, I was, I was thinking, like, what, like, like curves that, that opposite? <laughs> no. The, the, yeah. Is no. there an hourglass moon I wasn't aware of? But I had a problem with Anne Rice because, well, I wasn't super into horror. I was a giant nerd. So I read Dracula. And I was like, these are all the rules of vampires. I want to talk to people about vampires. And they're like, oh, Anne Rice this and Anne Rice this. And I'm like, no, none of this stuff is vampire rules. This stuff is all bullshit and stupid. <laughs> and they're like, uh, no, this is the the ultimate vampire series. And I'm like, you just like it because it's sexy. This is, this is, this is literature. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all, having <laughs> also read most of Anne Rice. I understand yes. that now. But when I was a, like, I'm weird and awkward now. I was way weirder and awkwarder at 15. And I was just like, no, we don't talk about this stuff because it's uh, subversive and sexy. We talk about it because it's, we, we're supposed to, you know, digest literature. <laughs> you know what's fucked up? Is that Dracula, in its original context, was subversive and sexy, sexy. and changed all the rules. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just how, the, it's how it goes. And I think that... Depending on when you were born, like, the next iteration of the vampire mythos is always going to be the least attractive to you, right? So, like, we had Anne Rice, and hence we hate Twilight. Yes. Ben had Dracula, and hate, hence hates Anne Rice. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And can we... Can I can we, vibe with that. Can we all agree that, uh, at least all of it's better than what the Underworld sequels became? Oh man, that stomach sex! Watch out. I mean, but Kate, Kate Beckinsale, um, she's in other things. Yes, that's true. Okay, I can I can take that. The first Underworld was fine. Yeah. The second Underworld was cringeworthy, but still fun. <laughs> like it's it's bad. It's good in the way that bad movies are enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After that, I gave up. Yeah. Just full disclosure. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've stuck around with any horror series are chronically like comic movie series from the 80s. Like there's eight Police Academy movies. So there's like 13 Jason movies and like all that stuff. And I don't think I've ever watched any movie series except... Star Wars? Star Wars and Star Trek that has more than five movies, or I guess Marvel counts. Harry Potter? Fast and Uh, Furious? uh, Harry Potter I've seen. Fast and the Furious I've only seen the first one. Oh, that's bad. 
from five on is when they get really good. <laughs> yeah, okay. That, and I've been trying to catch up on Mission Impossible, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, because those got good, too. I yeah. stopped after the second one, and everyone's all like, No one yeah. blames you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but horror movie tropes, um, you know, I also, I'm kind of in the middle of you guys. Ben, not so much on the horror. Chris, you're kind of heavy on the horror. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm very picky about my horror. The horror that I do like, I enjoy a great deal, but I'm also not up to date about it at all. I've been meaning to watch The Conjuring for like four years. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm... I'm Aren't they a, on like the fourth Conjuring now? I think so. I think those are those Annabelle movies also Conjuring movies. I, feel like, I think like, there's like a, several they, of them are attached. Yeah, there's like a spin-off series of movies for them that even then I haven't touched any of it. Um, so I've been meaning to do a couple of things like that, but like I went and saw it in theaters with you, Chris. Yeah, I um, love. What you see? Which, which I loved. It. What 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 movie did you see? It. Yeah, I get that you saw it, but what? Which one is which? Which movie is that? It. Hey, you know what's a fun horror trope? It's when somebody snaps and jams a pencil into somebody's neck. Yeah, that's a fun horror trope. Yeah. You should yeah. draft that when your pick comes around. But Ben does have the first pick today. That's true, I do. Uh, and while I did deride it, I feel like uh, horror movies as a, as a genre, uh, it is the tentpole under which everything else is connected. I'm taking the jump scare. Okay. Yeah, I mean, is, good first round pick. It is the one thing that I hate the most uh, because it is a film trick that only works through a camera. Uh, because oftentimes the thing that jumps out didn't actually move. It's a camera pivot or uh, something uh, mm -hmm. that would have enough distance but between the viewer of the action and the object that it, well, you, you would jump back because the camera can zoom and push in. Then you see the cat jump out from behind the bureau and you're like, oh, oh, okay. Movie, course, you got me there. Loud orchestral stab as well. And I'm sure they're playing some infrasound to, uh, to really heighten the experience for you, which... The best films yeah. play it before the jump scare and you don't realize it until the second time that, like, for a ha like a like a split second before the jump scare, you're just like all of a sudden on edge, like it primes you, and then, mm -hmm. boom. yeah, yeah. But I I'm going to take it because it is without the jump scare, I feel like the horror genre. Well, it would probably be better, but it wouldn't <laughs> be what it is. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, Chris, second pick. Um, it's, yeah, there's, it's tough cause there's a lot of really good horror tropes. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, I mean, you can, you can throw a pretty wide net when it comes to this. It doesn't have to be used in a ton of things to be a trope because horror tends to be pretty self-referential anyways. Yeah. Especially since the Scream movies came out. Yeah. Yeah. The Scream movies are excellent for that. Yeah. Um, I think that for my first pick, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, um, uh, deadly but kind of sexy. Okay. Uh, yeah, like that's that's really that you know that's at the heart of a lot of what I appreciate about horror <laughs> is um, is the conflicting desires, uh, something that can make you kind of be repulsed but also be kind of drawn to it. 
Yeah. Um, the should I be aroused right now? Yes, I'm a really big fan of that <laughs> in general. Um, <laughs> With me, the answer is always no. <laughs> so, it's kind of, yeah, I guess like, it's like the erection version of like cognitive dissonance. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's. See yeah. if we dinged for episode titles, sir. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, sexy ghosts and sexy vampires and um, yeah, deadly but sexy. Yeah, I it's, dig it. It's the uh, it is to boners as that the fourth slice of pizza is to your stomach. You're like, I'm full. I don't want this, but I do. <laughs> but I'm gonna <laughs> take it. Um, Surprising no one. I put this in terms of food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one of the things I've always really appreciated about horror is one of the things I also really appreciate about science fiction movies, and that is they spend a lot of time getting the setting right. There tends to be a lot of details in the background that will either tell you things about the universe or about what's going to happen mm-hmm. or give you clues or kind of just put you a little on edge in the case of horror. Um, so most of my tropes are going to be environmental stuff in that regard and off the bat i'm taking the one that gets me every time still which is like creepy eyes in the background (laughs) so this is creepy movie paintings this is um creepy children's dolls anything like anything with the unnatural eyes anything that is a facsimile of humanity in the background. Just like uh, the eyes of uh, Pennywise looking up out of the sewer grate. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> so uh, creepy eyes, I guess. We all float down here. Yeah. Yeah, because um, the sewage is waist deep. Yeah. Oh, by the way, shout out to Taylor. Yeah, um, our friend Taylor. I don't know if she listens to this podcast. Probably I, not. Probably not. <laughs> But I we don't blame she, her. I think that she's going to enjoy this episode. So, hi, yeah. Taylor. Yeah, yeah, we'll make sure she knows about this one because she's going to enjoy it, I'm sure. Um, Taylor is a big fan of of Scary Clowns. I, we bought her an It purse. <laughs> That's true, we did. And we, we uh, at a, a flea market, we found a purse that had, like, Pennywise sewn onto it. And we're all <laughs> like, hey, do you sell these online? And they were like... Yes, they're forty dollars online or twenty five dollars today, and I literally just fry shut up and take my money. <laughs> yep, and just all like this is going to go to someone who truly appreciates it, <laughs> which is not me. It's staying in this bag. Yes, <laughs> and staying in the garage for reasons. <laughs> right, I'm gonna put it in the least creepy part of the basement so that it's far away, but not going to accidentally scare me. Oh, you know it's gonna get moved, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's totally going to get moved. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and speaking of things moving, uh, leading into my next pick, uh, the first pick of the second round, I'm going to go with Alien Geometries. Okay. Uh, like, so Like non-Euclidean geometry? Non-Euclidean geometries <laughs> or just... H.R. Giger inspired? Y- yes, anything that's just kind of like off-putting by its structure, mm. kind of. Would you include the Dutch tilt in this? I am unfamiliar. The Dutch tilt is when you take your standard camera angle and you tilt it. Yes. <laughs> it's used to set set the uh, the audience just slightly off off kilter. Like your mind really wants everything in 
the screen to be pointing like upwards to your your point of mm-hmm. reference, and because it's not, you're kind of like uneasy. Because the projection is ninety is level and ninety degrees, but the image is not. Yeah, you can't you can't reconcile the two. I always just turn my head and tune out a chunk. Yeah, like yeah, the, but the, t- the taco approach to horror films. Yeah, when you do that, um. <laughs> it means that the screen is now tilted, which again is makes you feel wrong. Yeah. That doesn't bother me as yeah. much, but I also like I can change my eye my dominant eye mm. actively and stuff. Which is yeah, it's it's a thing. I learned it uh, growing, you know, growing up shooting with my dad and stuff, and it's something that I just learned to do at some point. Um, so I just, I just spent like ten seconds just staring at a spot on the wall trying to see if I could do this. Yeah, it takes work. <laughs> yeah, it's something that if you're cognizant of, you can totally do it. And I think my experience with that and just being able to shift my perspective that probably helps. Probably helps. Yeah. I would assume so, at least. All right, Chris, it's back to you. All right, middle of round two. Hmm. Still lots to pick from. Um, I think that um, I'm going to choose something that's uh, kind of near and dear to our hearts. Uh Every horror film has to have a location. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that, like, a nice abandoned bunker would be great for a horror film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, like, just a, you know, subterranean kind of labyrinthine... um, Perhaps eldritch in nature? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I don't know how you describe it, but like, uh, there's certainly some eldritch things here. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, in general, I'm going to take the trope of like, um, I don't know what to call it. Maybe the maze? Just the concept of like the big underground place that you get lost in. I can okay. dig it. Yeah. Lost in the maze. Yeah, lost, lost and alone. Okay, I mean, that works for, like, corn mazes and, like, Children of the Corn and stuff, and mm-hmm. there's some there's some room to work there, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just, like, a, a feeling of isolation combined with physically confusing locales, which yes. is definitely what, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of experience with that. How many times a day do you get lost? More than a few. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I always seem to end up back here in the, in the draft bunker. Just or in, in time. the draft room. Yeah, yeah, just in time to, to, to record again. All right. Well, my next pick is uh, in a similar vein to that, Chris. Uh, and it is something that is uh, near and dear to, to my experience growing up. And uh, I don't know if you guys ever went to the prominent one up uh, where we went to college. But I'm going to go with... Uh, the Abandoned Institution. Okay. I know up where we went to uh, to college, there was a abandoned former... Uh, former uh, uh, it was a state... Uh, a state-run uh, state, school for... Yeah, school uh, for Native Americans. For, for Native American children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely didn't tras- trespass there a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely didn't. I, I'm being... So yeah, being I, I, I know. Yeah. 
I, I know. I definitely did. It, it was... I, I have done that in places, just <laughs> never that it, one. Well, I'm guessing pretty much 50% of anybody who took a photography class at at a central <laughs> took a handful, like a, a series of photos there. <laughs> That's exactly why I was there. Yep. yep. <laughs> and uh, I, I briefly worked at a psychiatric hospital, and my uh, mother worked at that same one for most of her career and so before they built the new one I got to go around the old one which was uh well basically everything you've ever seen in a uh, movie with an abandoned psychiatric hospital uh of course a little more modern because it was still being used but uh the long uh long hallways made out of uh concrete blocks uh, just row after row of doors, huge underground tunnels, because there were several buildings that uh, during the winter you could move from building to building underground. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was actually very common before the advent of like, I don't know, heating in yeah. cars. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was real creepy. Just walking down, you know, a four hundred yard just smooth concrete underground tunnel uh, everything was constantly a little bit damp and you could fe- you get the feeling that hey if about a third of these lights went out I'd be in a horror movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay is it wrong that I kind of like I'm a little excited by this idea this concept that he's just described unfortunately they ripped it down to build <laughs> a mean, Toyota plant so <laughs> of course they did my one of my favorite parks to go hiking in which I do a lot um is, uh, of course, it's contained entirely within the bunker, but you can find a, a perfect facsimile of this park in Michigan. It's called Mayberry State Park, and it used to be a state mental institution. Um, it's just the grounds, basically. They tore everything down, which, like, wouldn't it have been awesome if there was a state park with, an in, like, a, a mental institution still up? Well, it, it <laughs> would be nice in that there would be, that would mean there's more than one for a state the size of Michigan, <laughs> and we'd be taking care of our, you know, most vulnerable, you know, uh, citizens. But yeah. But. So I've been hiking through this park for about a year now, and I keep searching, hoping that I'll find like some some like, a room key or some, something some weird basement that they that they forgot to like tear down. Like I'll be just like I'll I'll tumble off of a hill down into a thicket, and I'll come to in front of like a door. I just like I keep hoping these things happen to me, and they never do. Yeah, so you tumble, you, you I've fall down. I've my whole life to be in a horror film. You break through uh, some some now rotted bl- boards, fall ten feet down into a basement that you can't get out of. And then the bats, and, and you see a bat up, up, and then your mom, your mom, and the pearls coming off of her. Totally, yeah. yeah. Well, and then you look around and you see that there are crude finger paintings, and you realize you you fell into the old children's wing of the psychiatric hospital. And as you go to open the only door left in the room, you just hear. So, Ben, it's your pick. Yes, I am taking... Hold on, Ben. Uh, ben, is your pick haunted? It might be. <laughs> <laughs> Catchphrase recapitulated. Yeah, I am taking ironic nursery rhymes. <laughs> okay. Songs that uh, we sang as children, then found out the really dark and twisted meanings of... Uh, do you know the Muffin Man? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
or Ring Around the Rosie, of course, referring to people dying of plague. Yeah. Uh, and then, again, used in horror movies because they're just creepy. <laughs> Man, so you know, like, you can have a really negative experience with something and it just ruins it. Sure. Yes. Like you, like uh, an ex was really into a band, and now you can never listen to them or something. Sure. Yes, indeed. Um, we don't really. There's not a really good term for that, nor is there a really good term in English for the opposite of that, which is the exact thing I have with the Muffin Man rhyme, <laughs> in that I can no longer think of it and think of children or the <laughs> creepiness involved. Instead, I can only think of when our friend Jordan was a baker. And was the Muffin Man? <laughs> <laughs> there is a, there is a, there is a phrase for it. It's called taste aversion. Yeah, it's when you have a, a negative enough experience associated with something that you literally become revolted by it, regardless of whether or not it is disgusting or not. Yeah, like me and Goldschlager. Oh, and me and cherries. Yeah, really? Uh, it's a thing. Yes. So my family came back. We came back from uh, the uh, cherry festival up in Traverse City. It's a great time if you can ever get there. Uh, and I had a big old bag of, of fresh, uh, Michigan cherries and I was sitting watching TV and I'm like, Hey, it's cherries. It's a healthy snack. And I ate a shit ton of cherries. Cherries in high enough uh, quantities are a diuretic. And I spent the next day vomiting and firing out both ends. And mm. that made me not like cherries for a while. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can see how that would ruin cherries. Yeah. <laughs> that is kind of a horror horror movie in and of itself right there. Yes, yeah. indeed. It's a real-life horror sh- story that you just told us. Yep. All right, Chris, your pick. Back to me again? Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that there's... Um, there's something to be said about places that are good for murdering in. Okay. You know, if you've ever been to a friend's house and you walk downstairs and you see, like, some, like, black and white tile that's, like, just yellowed enough, maybe some, like, red-tinted mirrors on the wall. Some chains hanging up from (laughs) prominent floor drains. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, prominent floor drains. Maybe a mysterious hidden back room with just, like, fluorescent lights and bare walls. Like... There's nothing quite as good as a good murder basement. Murder basement. So I'm going to take murder basements. Um, All right. Yeah. It's just, it's it's a really important thing to have if you're going to get into the business of murdering people. Murder basements actually leads in uh, really nicely into my next pick, um, which is... Are you going to take murder houses? (laughs) No, I'm going to take my favorite trope, my favorite trope of all time. Murder Addicts. It was there the whole time. Ooh. Ooh. Um, it's, I love this trope. It's why I love John Carpenter as a director, because he is the master of this. Um, yeah, yeah. And we already mentioned um, Halloween, the first Halloween. There's like maybe 45, like it's not that, it's maybe like maybe five minutes of that whole two mo- two hour movie yeah. that Mike Myers is not in. Michael Myers? Yeah. Mike Myers is the Canadian actor. Yeah, so that Michael Myers is not in. Yeah. Like, he's <laughs> consistently in frames in the background, just, just hidden. hidden in the background of that movie hmm. throughout m- almost all of it. I was it not is, aware. That's cool. It's really cool. Um, and it's a really good thing to watch that movie 
and then learn that and then watch that movie again. <laughs> um, and like, it's important. I feel it's important to watch that movie twice at the very least. Um, so that you can kind of remember the story beats, get a feel for how things are, and that way you can afford to spend more time in the periphery of the scene. Mm-hmm. Man, I love movies that improve on the second watching. Yeah. Um. It was there the whole time. I fucking I love that trope. Um, whether it's Mike Myers hiding in the background or... Like, something like Cube, where the answer was in front of them the entire time, and it had been discussed, but never taken seriously or something. Like, yeah. any of that. I love or it. Or Saw, where the killer was in the room the whole time. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that trope. Um, it's my favorite. It's kind of like, uh, it, I mean, it's it's kind of like Chekhov's subliminal gun. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Chekhov's yeah. subliminal gun. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so, I've got another pick right here. Um, and I'm going to take, it is on TV tropes as literal man eater. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here she comes. Um, watch out boys, she'll chew you up. Oh, here she comes. Might be a little bit over the line with, um, Chris's deadly and sexy. (laughs) Um, but when you sing over top of us, we can't edit you out. (laughs) <laughs> I know, it's why I do it. <laughs> um, there's a little bit of crossover with Deadly and Sexy, but I feel like Deadly and Sexy is broad enough where I can sure. just grab um, cannibalism in weird ways. Um, I would actually prefer to call this trope something else um, in honor of Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm going to call it Meatloaf for Dinner. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Because uh, it's the same basic idea. Um, just... Surprise, you're eating people. <laughs> Scott Tennerman? Yeah. Scott God damn it. Um, Frey Pie. So, yeah, uh, that's that's where I'm going with this. Um, I think there's a lot of fun to be had in the horror trope with surprise, we're eating people, or surprise, you're eating people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. And then after a whole episode of trying to find people because you can't replicate the taste, Danny DeVito tells you it was actually raccoon and you have rabies. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite episodes of It's Always Sunny. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. I don't have favorite episodes of that that show. I have, like, favorite seasons. Yeah. Like, it's just all so good. You can't discriminate. All right, Chris, it's your pick. All right. Um... Fourth round, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, what's that? Do you hear that in the distance? Do you? Do you guys hear it? Faintly. Yeah? But I can't quite make it out. Yeah. It's almost like it... It's not... I don't know. Like, is it? Is it? Can you hear it? Hold on a second. It's... It's... It's getting louder. Guys, I think it's getting closer. Which is my draft pick. It's, it's getting, getting closer. closer. It's getting closer. This is so basic of a concept, but it is so fucking brilliant in its execution in the way that horror does this, which is that you as a human being want bad things be very far away from you. Yes. <laughs> in horror film, bad things close. <laughs> So, 
<laughs> so you worry. <laughs> Why use many word when few do trick? <laughs> so yeah, um, I think that a, a logical extension of this principle is the tendency, or like, not the tendency necessarily, but like the strategy of keeping your monster at a at like at a distance or, mm-hmm. or even out of sight for the entire film because it builds up slowly and even though you don't see a suggestion of physical space there's like this certain kind of momentum that starts up yeah in a good horror film where like you know you're heading towards it right and there's nothing you can do it's getting closer like jaws not seeing, um, not seeing Bruce <laughs> makes him scarier. I'm actually uh, reminded of a memory that you and I share, Ben, oh. um, of Dagger here, um, which is the sword fighting game that we all played in college and still do occasionally, although honestly not that much anymore. Um, and uh, I remember we were at an event, and it was you and I and someone else, and we were defending a point. Mm-hmm. And the lines were... So far in front of us. Yes. We were nowhere near, but Collister was there that day. Collister being a incredibly athletic guy um, who is very fast. I think he tried out for the U.S. Olympic track team. I think I've heard that at some point. I don't know if it's true or not. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Um, and I remember having a conversation with you where it's all like, he's within range now. Yes. He is He is within 25 yards this is striking distance for him. Yes. So you need to be careful. <laughs> Treat him like he's got a bow and arrow because he will be here that fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if we've outed ourselves as that big of nerds before. Oh, we must have. No, I remember when we talked about uh, sports because we we specifically said we did not draft Dagger here because it is a, it is a game and not a sport. Yeah, sure, sure, okay. Yeah, no, we've, we've outed ourselves. And oh, we are giant nerds. No one's Shocking. surprised. Yeah, I mean, there's not a closet big enough, really, is there? Well, there might be a bunker big enough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now it is back to me for the end of round four. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think I know what my last two are. Uh, I just need to arbitrarily decide which goes first. Sure. Can Uh, I interest you, Ben, in some impenetrable fog? Mm, Impenetrable Mm. fog's a good one. The Mist is a great movie. And Silent Hill is a great game. Mm Mm-hmm. but I'm going to go with, when I do enjoy a horror movie, it tends to be more in the horror comedy vein. Okay. Uh, so stuff like uh, Slither, mm-hmm. uh, which has a lot of the problems I find, but when you start throwing in jokes, suddenly I'm able to put up with a lot more of just the things that infuriate me about horror. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just the things that infuriate you in general. I mean, why do you think we're all friends? Yeah. It's because <laughs> we're able to make jokes. Yeah. Or uh, possibly my favorite well, horror two, film. two-thirds of us able to make uh, jokes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I try real hard. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a really, really fun movie. That's a fun one. Uh, I, I don't even know if it's... Cabin in the Woods, if you haven't seen it, you probably not. really I enjoy probably it. Cabin would. in the Woods is, uh, is more smart than it is funny. But, it's it's but real it's, good. But, it's funny. but also, like, Shaun of the Dead. I don't know if, if that even counts as horror, but, like, just to throw it out there, Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. fucking brilliant. Yeah, I think that one goes from being a horror comedy to a comedy horror movie. Yeah, It is true. more comedy than it is a horror film. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Too Dumb to Live. 
<laughs> okay. It is the, oh, why you chicken? Of course we're going to go back to go uh, sneak into this uh, abandoned uh, summer camp uh, on the night that the killer struck. Why? You guys scared? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Too dumb to live. You're too dumb to live. Camp uh, unsafe is not safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Is that, is one of us going to choose, um, like, pre- running up the preachy, stairs? Mo- preachy moral message? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we left it for Ben, right? I know I didn't take it. I, uh, <laughs> I did really consider uh, going into the... Uh, some sometimes interesting moral, uh, what is it? Um, the moral lessons of horror movies, or the sometimes weird uh, theological doctrines that they apply to things. Yeah, uh, you know, not necessarily Judeo-Christian, but they they really, if they pick a a more a morality or a, a theological doctrine that they're following, and they stick to it really well, I can appreciate that. Uh, That's what I dig about Hellraiser. Yeah, or uh, trolls. Uh, not not the cute uh, Anna oh Kendrick one. Oh my god, one, yes! But trolls the, is great. It's the pagan trolls, and uh, one of the uh, yeah. one of the the first movie. Somebody uh, is a lapsed Christian, but they're not actually not as lapsed as they think they are. Which means the trolls can smell them, and it huh. puts the whole party in danger <laughs> because oh. trolls can smell Christians. Yeah, if you if you haven't seen this, Jafar, I haven't. You need to. It's great. Okay. Uh, Which I will say, shout out to uh, European and particularly Scandinavian horror. Oh, they do things very differently there. And uh, fuck, man, Um, there's a show on Netflix called Dark. Okay. And it is phenomenal. It is weird, and it's got like time travel and it's I don't know how to describe it but if you imagine that like the impetus behind Stranger Things Mm -hmm. right which also I mean we're gonna get to honorable mentions but the impetus behind Stranger Things but done seriously okay since straight faced through a definitively like German slash European lens uh, in a television series on Netflix it's Hmm. fantastic go watch that all right, and I'm going to end, uh, start the fifth round, my last pick, with uh, something that, uh, well, a clearly a horror trope, uh, also can be used to great effect in uh, one of my honorable mentions from space. Uh, Red Dwarf uh, used this one. Everyone's dead, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Red Shirts. It's not uh, the the uh, morally questionable or uh, those breaking social norms getting picked off. Everyone's dead. You know, it's it's uh, used well in Alien, mm-hmm. uh, which because I love sci-fi, I was willing to give more of a shot than most other horror movies, not realizing it was pretty much just a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Alien also really good with it was there the whole time. Yes. Uh, but yeah, finding out that, oh, they're killing everyone. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, it doesn't matter uh, what your skills are. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. The thing will kill you. Yep. I'm torn. Are you burnt? 
And then you respond, are you bent? For, I'm trying to get that Are started. you bent? Oh, wait, okay. I didn't Can you help me? I'm bent. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm torn because I, I kind of want to take um, the inverse of that, which is you were dead the whole time, <laughs> which is a lovely trope um, done, to, done to great uh, effect, of course, in the classic uh, Sixth Sense. He's not dead the whole time, but like the whole, almost the whole time. Yeah. Yes. By the way, spoiler alert. I, <laughs> yeah. I forgot to put that up, up, up front there, huh? <laughs> By the way, did you know that if you watch that film and look for things that are red, those are things that he tries to touch but can't, and that prove he's a ghost the whole time? Also, I found out he's wearing the same outfit the entire time. He is wearing the same shirt, vest, and jacket combo, just in different shirt, sweater, jacket combo, just in different uh, combinations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. That is a cool little mm-hmm. Easter egg thing to look out for. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm kind of locked into what my last pick is going to be. Uh, I think that uh, every, well, not every, but a lot of horror films end with a big kind of climactic moment where I, it's, it's the Scooby-Doo moment. Yeah. At the end, the heroes have appeared to win and the time comes to take the mask off. Um, and so the un- I'm going to take the unmasking, which is when the heroes find out what it was that they were running away from the whole time. Sometimes this doesn't happen in like the first film of a series. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it is subverted by other things. Um, uh, sometimes the mask comes off and there's another mask underneath. That's another trope. Sometimes the mask comes off and what was underneath was hideous and unhuman um or sometimes the mask comes off and you find out that there's more than one killer yes yes absolutely i'm surprised ben i was expecting a jim carrey joke out of you well Um, when the mask comes off sometimes it's given to jamie kennedy and nobody (laughs) wants to think about that (laughs) yeah no um that leads in perfectly to my next and the last pick and this is done typically in the, like, bated breath last moments after a climax. Mm-hmm. And that is, of course, the villain was actually something else the whole time. Um, mm. So you've unmasked, everyone's, like, the survivors have gotten away, and either the villain is still alive at the bottom of the lake, or something yeah. else was going on the entire time. Yeah, sometimes... You thought it was a man, but it's actually magic... Some, yeah. Sometimes this is like the clever like play for the second film, basically. Yes. Yeah. Is like maybe it's even like an intercredit scene where like the hand comes out of the water and yeah. grabs onto the dock. It is the like writer yeah. saying, "Please give me another job." <laughs> yeah, it's the dramatic moment that everyone thought they were safe, and then something terrible happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this. Oh fuck pop. you! Oh, God damn it! I'm just going to get in here. Don't mind me, guys. Oh, no. One. It's a Tootsie Roll okay. Pop. Okay. Well, no, 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 no. No, remember? If we try to do two. our outro while he's counting, we can't edit around it, Ben. I know, but I, I'm going to do my honorable mentions. Three. Uh, so I've got a couple of them. Uh, some things that I liked, but not enough to make it. Uh, stars on the Decline. Famous people in horror movies who are doing it for the paycheck. And sure. you're like, Carrie Elwes, why are you in this movie? You're better than this. <laughs> and you're like, oh, wait, Glory was a while ago. Uh, you deserve better, Carrie Elwes. Seven. And 
uh, and you know sometimes it's fun though. It adds a little bit of gravitas to uh, a movie that otherwise you'd completely overlook. Uh, also, Buried Alive. Mm-hmm. That is something that is such a huge fear that for uh, sailors at sea, uh, Ten. the last uh, the stitch they do before they throw you overboard is through the nose to make sure that you don't wake up screaming. Uh, you know, they uh, there used to be special uh, coffins for rich people where there was a string to a bell that if you woke up in a coffin, you could start ringing the bell and they could come and dig you up. Yeah. Man. Being buried alive. I think a strong breeze scared the shit out of some people with that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did too many that were too close to it, uh, but uh, The Inn of No Return, yeah, of course. Uh, which, you know, well, well lampshaded in both uh, the film Psycho and the wonderful song Hotel California. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, in the same vein as the jump scare, the cut slide. <laughs> uh, one of the fun movie uh, things you can only do in movies because it is a you know complete and total editing trick. That is where somebody gets cut, they think they're fine for a second, and then slide into pieces. <laughs> I don't know that that's... So, clearly, it doesn't happen like that in real life. No, it does not. But it kind of does. You ever cut yourself real bad... Because there is half. Because there's a split second before you realize you cut yourself real bad. <laughs> yeah, but these tend to be completely mortal wounds. <laughs> yeah, like we're, no, we're in talking... Slither. Somebody gets bisected, top you know, top down, takes a few steps, and then slides apart. And it's like, <laughs> no, you would have lost structural integrity a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hate you so much. You know what's weird? I think I'm learning to to weather that. I think I'm becoming a little bit more immune to it. This is this is when everybody turns the podcast off. Yeah. All right, Chris, do you have any honorable mentions? Absolutely, I do, Ben. Um, not fucking Jaffer, though. I'm not honorably mentioning that. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Asian slash Japanese horror. Um, and I think that, like, the way that they do the slow burn kind of, like, very atmospheric horror film is awesome. You also see, like, some echoes of it in European filmmaking. Uh, the film Suspiria, for instance, uh, is very atmospheric, where almost, like, 100% of the early horror that goes on is just, like, how jarring the architecture is they are remaking that film and i'm looking forward to it um the ring mm-hmm. pre-irony uh was one of the best horror films ever fucking made and the american version did a pretty good job of translating it in a way that was both true to the source material but also very innovative in its own right like the fucking symbology and symbolism symbolism god damn it the fucking symbolism I just don't like the sound of that word that's why I say symbology the symbolism uh, that utilized like I, I don't know like horror films have this like propensity for using these very like I don't know how to, how to really describe it but like um they use their visual lexicons 
much more intelligently than regular films do. Like mm-hmm. the, you're much more likely to see something in the background of a horror scene, of, of a horror of a horror film, and for that to pay off, right? So like, just like you'll see like a like a white dove or something, and then the next scene the dove is like on the ground or something. I'd, but ba- basically, just like just symbols and their use in horror films, I'm a big fan of. Uh, and then lastly, uh, the mythos. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft was a terrible racist person. Yeah. But the idea that he created of cosmic horror being essentially unknowable to human, like the, the true scope of what would really terrify us is something that exceeds our grasp by so much that we can't even fathom it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably where a lot of like, a lot of the best horror films end quieter but with like the implications of what goes on afterwards or like of, of what it means going forward from that point being the true horror of it mm-hmm. um and i'm just a huge fan of that in hp lovescraft's work and in all of the various and myriad um uh, films and, and stories he has inspired cool jafar any honorable mentions yeah, um, the darkness gazes back, um, of the similar vein, um, yeah. that unknowable horror I always really dig, um, death takes the back seat is one of my favorite TV trope articles. Um, that's just like the killers in the seat behind you in your car. <laughs> yep, <laughs> leave um, the gun, take the cannoli. Any kind of like body snatcher stuff, impersonation horror, um, mostly um, the thing. Mm, you know, John Carpenter. You know what? Um, uh, fucking, uh, in Men in Black, when the alien is wearing Edgar, yeah, yeah, that was a little bit of unintentional body horror. That like, well, not an unintentional, but like, hits you, hits you when you're not expecting it. Um, the classic calls are coming from inside the house. Yeah, it's another fun one. Don't um, you need two lines to make that work? Yes, yes, you would. <laughs> I mean, not, in the modern age, not anymore. No. Because everyone has cell phones. And also cell phones destroy, like, maybe 50% of the way stories are told, uh, you know, from before cell phones. Like, right. Yeah, it's like, it's impossible. That's why Stranger Things had to be set in the 80s, is because that story is impossible to set mm-hmm. in, in today's day and age. And then um, my final honorable mention, I almost took this one. But I know, I don't think either of you guys have played this game, uh, Doki Doki Literature Club. I... Your weird Japanese dating game. Yeah, yes. it's totally just a normal weird Japanese dating dating game. Um, the trope that I'm referring to is the fourth wall will not protect you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, which is the, um, just, whatever is happening in that movie is going to cross over into real life for you. <laughs> kind of a vibe. Um, so like in Gremlins 2, when the Gremlins are in the theater and then Hulk Hogan tells them to shut up and turn the movie back on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, oh, what else? We should probably mention the whole concept of, like, uh, s- stop it. Just don't do that. Don't touch with that, that Tootsie Roll pop. Please, no, seriously. The concept of um, this is a like uh, based on a true story. 
That's a good oh, honorable mention. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, fucking... I keep coming back to... Like, I've been thinking a lot about horror films the last, you know, like, week or so, because it's October, and I'm, I'm just really looking forward to, like, getting to, to kind of settle into the fall and experience that a ton. Um, and the thing that I keep coming back to is how how much better all of these old films are than we give them credit for because they are so relentlessly parodied after their time. Yeah. Like the ring scream, um, Blair witch project. Like these are all fucking phenomenal horror films. Even now I watched the Blair witch project the other day and like it, you know, like it was, it is, it still feels like new almost like, clearly they're in the 90s, but you can see somebody doing that kind of a film today. They wouldn't do it under, like, the cool, like, like oh, is it real thing? Because clearly the internet has made that impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I mean... The Did pop- they remake Blair Witch Project a couple years ago? I... So they definitely have followed up on, a, on it with a couple of things. the sequel was horrible. Um, the sequel, yeah, it was not good. I don't know if they re- remake. I would, I would be very interested to see a remake of it where they're not tethered to the idea that they need to make it, um, in like a found footage documentary style. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's what they did. Cause that would be kind of cool. I think I remember that happening. Um, let me found footage. I have a problem with because it worked so well for the Blair Witch Project that everyone just tried to do it. Yeah. And it, I don't think it ever worked well again. Yeah. Uh, Because I saw, like, Cloverfield, and... They did. That that annoyed me. They they remade it. Or, no, so it was Blair Witch Witch Project 3, but they just called it Blair Witch. Okay. So I guess technically they didn't... Yeah, I don't think they did it. Um, A remake of it. But... I think they show the actual witch in that one. Hmm. Um, which, by the way, they had her designed for that. Like, and they had two separate designs. And also, um, I don't know. I don't I remember where I, where I listened to this. But, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that went wrong on that the making of that film. Like, there was supposed to be several moments when people, when they did see things that they couldn't explain. Like, there's going to be a person out in the woods that they hired. And also, that entire... Okay, I'm we're getting way off track. But basically, all of every time they wanted to show something in that film, it just didn't work out. Like, they didn't get the footage that they needed. And as a result, the film goes its entire length without a jump scare or without showing its villain. Yeah. And, like, how fucking radical is that for horror films? It's pretty cool. And I'm uh, sure it's something that we'll talk about more next week. Yeah, yes, definitely. indeed. I am looking forward to this, um, this debate. This debate. This yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Yes, I'm looking forward to how we can spin all of these into good first date ideas. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently that's what that's what we do every time. <laughs> I like that that topic. I like it. Thanks, as always, to the Kickstand Band for our theme song, How It Feels. You can find their music at thekickstandband.bandcamp.com. And feel free to shoot us an email at drafttheuniverse at gmail.com. Or follow our Facebook page at facebook.com. 
com. I don't know where I was going. At thefacebook.com slash See you next time, Internet. Twitter, at DraftTheVerse, hashtag DraftTheUniverse. See you next week. <laughs> hey, guys. Is this podcast haunted? Blah! It might fell into the old children children's ring ah you fell into the old children fuck <laughs> the old children's wing children's wing <laughs> thanks as always to the kickstand band for our theme song how it feels off the album putting the days no <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> that's it cut them loose is the name of the album that's it i i i you tried I, tr- I yep. tried to do a voice and ended up doing the Bim Bam thing. <laughs> <laughs>